I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Welcome to Behind the Influence, a production of iHeartRadio and TDC Media. So what I had to do was I had to do an open mic to where I'm at now. And that road is long and hard, but I did it. I'm just going to just do what I do. I'm going to wear what I wear. I'm going to say what I say. If I never make it, I never make it. If they don't like you, what is the consequence really? Nothing. Nothing happens. I'm on a wave and I'm riding this wave. I don't know how long this wave is going to last. Hopefully it lasts for a while. But if it doesn't, I know that, you know, I'm always going to be out there. And this is my little Tutu. Tutu. Also known as Bobby Lee. Yeah, but today I'm going to be called Tutu. So the whole time we're just going to keep saying Tutu until y'all stop watching It's really and good to be here. Thank you. I'm, I'm really... a little too loud. It's blowing my mind. Oh, there we go. That's fine. You can adjust it to whatever makes you happy. I have a very loud um, voice. You do? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. You know you're my favorite, right? You're my favorite, too. No, generally speaking, you're my favorite. You're genetically very good. Oh. Look at your face. <laughs> it's genetically perfect. That was my very... I'm genetically perfect, too. Look at my face. No, you're beautiful. It's a perfect circle. No, you're you're perfect circle. <laughs> yeah, it's a circle. <laughs> it's like a yellow moon my face. You're like the moon and the stars <laughs> yeah, and everything in you. between. So I know you're super busy, so I'm really grateful that you're here today. Are you kidding me? Um, I didn't even know I was going to do it until today, but it's I wanted Can to come so badly. Can you pretend like you've been... No, I've been looking forward to it from last week, but then I had amnesia. You, I, <laughs> I heard I you say. had an advent calendar and you were leading up to the day every day. Yes, I was for the last three years. Yeah, exactly. Even before the studio was built. Before the show even existed. Yeah, I started checking it and stuff. You know what, I mean? <laughs> so, what uh, happened to his hand? <laughs> so that's our, that's Steven. Yeah. Steven, what did happen to your hand? Oh, I know. You, oh, it's, a, it's an exciting story then. 
Good. He's yeah, at yeah, the yeah. zoo, if you guys can't hear, and Tiger's escaped and clawed his hands. That's cool. So that's what happened. That's awesome. Now that we got that out of the way, shall we? Yeah. Yeah, okay, great. So <laughs> so the whole series is is designed to inspire people who may be a young, a young little tutu coming up in the world, yeah. trying to become a grown tutu like yourself. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing for me is, is that I didn't know I wanted to do what I'm doing until it, I was doing it. Just like you just showed up on the show. Like show you didn't no, even know. I live my life. I, I wake up and I go, okay, I don't stress about things. And I go, what do I need to do today? And I do it the best I can. Mm-hmm. I'm a stand-up comic. So yeah, I started I stand-up in 95. And so I was working at a coffee shop and it closed. And then I, right next door was a comedy club. And I just... A pretty famous comedy club. Well, the comedy store. But back then, the San Diego one wasn't um, that popular. And I, I signed, I got a job there first as a bar back. And then a month later, I did open mic night. And then five years later, I was I did Jay Leno. And then, but that, there, like so much happened in between that day. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna talk about all that yeah, because yeah. stand up is, in my opinion, one of the hardest things on earth to do. And people are there in the crowd wanting people to crash and burn on stage. They don't want to laugh. Well, that's Sometimes, you probably. No, no, I laugh. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the generous. No, no. Yeah. I am a generous over laugher and I snort sometimes only because I know that shit's hard. Yeah. And it's like, to me, it's my biggest fear to stand up there and like, you are there to entertain people and that's it. Yeah. Right. And so that's a lot of pressure. And if you're having an off day and people don't laugh, how do you not run off the stage crying? Well, because um, you have to build a thick skin mm-hmm. and I was very sensitive but eventually, and I, you know, if I had a bad show, it would really affect me. Like I wouldn't be able to sleep. But then eventually what happens is that you stop caring. Is it because you have so many reps in and you're going every no, night? You could, no, because you realize that what is the, if they don't like you, what is the consequence really? Nothing. Nothing happens. It's all my own internal perceptions and how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I saw a guy bomb on TV. I, I don't want to name who, you know, who it was, but he wasn't doing well on TV. I was a, I was living in San Diego and I was watching it. He was bombing, but there was like no canned laughter, but he seemed fine with it. Yeah. So because he seemed fine with it, I was okay with it watching him. And then I th- thought it was cool that he was like didn't care. Yeah. Like like I know I'm funny, you know, can I say fuck? Yeah. I just, just did. Yeah. You, you Fuck just, these people, you know. You just did. So what happens is you eventually, um, you, you you grow immune to people's, um, you know. Is it more about becoming immune or is it more about like building up the inner confidence and saying, you know what, I'm here. I'm not going to let them tear me down. I'm not going to let them tell me I'm not good enough. Bombing is inevitable no matter what, what level you are. What do you consider bombing? People not laughing? Yeah. Just. Or just like, you know, you, you're telling jokes and one's laughing. Yeah. Or like something happens in the room where you lose control of the room and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like that's inevitable. No matter what level you are at, you're going to go through that. So um, for me, it's just like, you know, realizing that this is not my night. And, um, and you get, I don't, get back up. I don't really give a fuck about these people. And you just, okay. And then, you, but we care, I care about you. And I care about you personally, but like, well, you know, yeah. also I'm not one of those comics that's like, yeah, I have a great job. I'm trying to make people laugh and escape their, you know, their daily, you know, routines of, you know, and I don't know. Mine is a war. You're at war. I don't view the audience as somebody I'm trying to help. Okay. I view them as somebody I have to defeat. Oh. Right? Like a, a, That's a, a, an, an animal that I have to tame 
And sometimes I can't tame that animal. I think that's the way I get through it, you know? Yeah. What has been, what has been the biggest challenge? Like, where do you, or is there like a consistent thing that came up for you in the earlier days that, that had you lose control? Was there something in what you were doing? Well, I mean, you know, you had a lot of comics locally in San Diego who were like, you have to do it this way, or, you know, you're too dirty. Because I was very, I'm still very dirty on stage. I swear a lot. I talk about things that, um, you know, that the God wouldn't like, but um, <laughs> Jesus or whatever. I have, or they go, you have to wear a suit to do corporate gigs and do all these things. And I just thought to myself, I'm just going to just do what I do. I'm going to wear what I wear. I'm going to say what I say. If I never make it, I never make it. But at the end of the day, what happened was I stuck to my guns and I, um, even in San Diego, like if a headliner would walk in, like, you know, someone like Pauly Shore, Dice Clay or something like that, and they would see me, you know, there was something about me that they liked. And so I started opening for all these guys like Carlos Mencia from San Diego. So I just stuck to my guns and I still stick to my guns, you know. Even when you're, I'm, I'm acting and, and a director gives me a note, sometimes I just can't do it the way they want me to do it. So I'm just going to do it my the way I think Is it because serves you don't, this project. And it doesn't feel authentic to, like, you and who you are as an artist, maybe? Well, just sometimes I just can't do it. Yeah. You know, I just I just don't know what they're saying, and I can't do it. So I just kind of stick to my guns and do my thing. I got booed off a stage in front of 20,000 people. When was that? Maybe was that seven, earlier? No, seven, six, seven, eight so years ago. So that was ago. recently. Yeah. This is after you've made it. Yeah, 20,000 people booed me off stage. Where was that? Up at North, it was in uh, San Jose. Do you know what caused the booing? Did you just, I just say wasn't something? The, I, I had to follow Leslie Jones, and she was on fire that night. And um, I t- they I, actually booed you off the stage. Well, I don't remember because I blacked out. <laughs> you know, I blacked out first. So I don't know exactly what happened, but um, oh, I was man. off the stage for like two or three minutes, and then I just kind of blacked out. And then I was backstage in some room with my shirt off because I was sweating so hard. And I remember my agent, Matt, was next to me, and he was cackling, like laughing, you know, just maniacally. I go, what happened? He goes, I've never seen anyone bomb like that. Do you even remember what was happening? So you started doing gibberish? So you were literally just not I was going, (laughs) you know what I mean? And um, yeah, I remember that night I was in the hotel room, and I was like laying there, right? And I just, you know, you kind of relive certain parts of it that you know that you remember and then just eventually just kind of go all right that happened and then you wake up and you're fine you got breakfast so, yeah so one of the questions we ask all the artists and the creators on here and everybody we have on is super successful and you are no exception we always ask about like the worst day you got to it before i even got to it for you was that oh that's not even the worst day i have so many bad days I can't even, you know, so was, I have like 50 stories of that. Was there a day that, so you woke up the next day and you had breakfast. You were fine. You moved on. Was there a day that you almost just said, I'm done. I'm quitting this. This is not Yeah, me. I mean, but that had nothing to do with the show. It had to do with the trajectory of my career. Well, that's just as important of a conversation because I think a lot of people set these goals. Yeah. And a lot of times these goals, you're already hitting them and you're already really successful, but to you, you're not. So you think you're failing. Yeah, but I am failing. No, you're not. I know, but the thing is, is that I, here's the thing. I don't want to fight with you. I do. Yeah. I want to fight. Yeah, but um, (laughs) the way I, and this is probably not healthy, but the way I get through things is through, I have to motivate myself. And for me to motivate myself, I have to create these rivalries and this 
an, an, an atmosphere that's going to get me out of where I'm at. Where does that come from? I think Korean. I don't know. Koreans do it. You know, I know a lot yeah. of Koreans are like that. But, um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like, pressure. Like there was a point where like, you know, I was on a show called Mad TV for eight years. Never heard of show. it. Well, I think it's got canceled. <laughs> yeah, but you were the, basically the star of the show. No, there yes, was so you many. Were. Well, thank you. But I, yes, I you were. Key and Peele. Um, you made history with Peele. that show. And, you know, Alex Borstein did very well. They're all, they're all great, but so are you. Thank you. I feel like you're the type of person you would win like 10 Oscars and still think you're not doing it. <laughs> Maybe. Some people are <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Well, here's what happened. So then after Mad TV was over, I couldn't get any work at all. Like I, I couldn't, you know, get an audition. I couldn't get anything going. And for years. Why do you think that was? The we show call, was successful. No, we would call casting directors and they would say, yeah, he was on Mad TV though. So we're not going to. They didn't like the show. People only later liked the show, you know, because the kids that watched it all became in their, became, tw- you know, in their 20s and they started having some sort of power. And then, you know, and then people from my show started blowing up, like Key and Peele blew up. Um, Ike Barinholtz started doing well. You know, Alex, Will Sass, so a bunch of these people, people just started working. And then we became kind of cool. But in the beginning, it was terrible. And my doctor, Ken Jung, started working a lot. And him and I are the same type. And I, he was just getting every role. And I couldn't even get in the room to compete with those, for those roles. And so I just kind of sat around and said... Um, you know, I look back and I go, I did it. I did eight years on a show. I did stand-up. I did Tonight Show. I did a couple of a couple of lines in a couple of movies. I think that, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Let's get out of here. But you didn't. No, but the reason why I didn't is because I didn't know what else to do. Like, if something, something else had come up for me to, like, I had to, you have to survive and make money. So, for me, the only way to make money was to do stand-up. So, I would do shows on the road. So, I was always touring. Mm-hmm. So every year I would just be doing 30, 40 dates, weekends, whatever. And then you're just out in like Nebraska or Illinois and you're just out there grinding it out. And sometimes you would make good money, sometimes you wouldn't. But, you know, you you have to survive as a human being in this society. Mm -hmm. And then um, what happened was, um, you know, that whole analogy of waves was true. So, like, you know, Mad TV was a wave that I rode for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then I, then I caught the wave, went back out there, and I waited for the next wave. And I waited for years, but a wave came along. So another wave came along. So what happened was I got this show called Animal Practice. It was a um, NBC pi- – uh, it was a show um, about veterinarians. It was a sitcom, and um, there was a monkey in it. And then um, Dope. I was in The Dictator – yeah. And then I booked another b- pretty big thing. And then after those things were over, I waited another three or four years, three years. And then I, now I'm on a new wave now, which is I did this Viceland show. I did L- Love a little bit. I'm on a sitcom now. And um, I did a couple of movies. And and I have my podcast is doing well. So I'm in the, 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 big, I'm in the biggest wave that I've ever had been on. So... So how are you feeling right now? I feel great. <laughs> I feel so good. I feel so grateful. Thank you, Lord. No, I um But you're you're in a good place right now. Yeah, Life's good, right? Yeah, I'm on a wave and I'm riding this wave and then um I don't know how long this wave's gonna last. Hopefully it lasts for a while. But if it doesn't, I know that 
you know, I'm always going to be out there. And so, you know, what I realize about myself is I'm always going to try, which is, a, it, it, it could be, here's the thing is that you have these dreams and these goals, but, you know, as I think it's the human condition where nothing ever really just kind of completely satisfies you. No, because you get to the next one and then you, you see the mountain right above and you're like, oh, one more year and I can get there. And you also realize that you think that it's going to fix you in some way. Mm-hmm. That Absolutely. if I get this, this, and this, I'm going to feel this way, and then everything will be great. But what you realize is that you can never escape yourself. And I have so many issues and problems and, you know, mental, you know, anguish that I have to fix those things internally for me to ever be happy. Mm-hmm. And I refuse to because of the fact that I think that it's going to affect my comedy in some way. So you think that in some ways the trauma and all the stuff you've gone through makes you the funny person that you are. Yeah, but I'm also impossible to live with. Like my girlfriend is at the end. Why? Tell me why you're so impossible <laughs> to live with. I can't even begin. If this was a five-hour podcast, yeah. but it, I am a living nightmare. Give us an I'm example. Like, I'm like Joffrey. <laughs> I'm Joffrey from Game of Thrones. I'm no, you're lighting not. things on fire. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you see me now, and you're like, oh, he's like, a, you know, f- you know, soft kind of like you know, Asian guy. He's funny. I'm an I'm cray cray. I think you're hard on yourself. No, and I, that, I, I'm cray cray. You're cray cray. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like you know, like I'll like. Well, I'll tell you that I'll give you one story. Of Great, why we love we love story time here. So I was playing this game called Red Dead Redemption Two. Okay. Have you heard of it? Have Have you guys heard of that game? Oh, they, they both looked at. No, they, they're not. Uh, no, my good friend's uh, nephews. Uh, they're just. You guys here. play that game? Yeah. Yeah. So I was playing Red Dead Redemption, and um, one of the little goals was to sh- kill five cougars with an arrow. But cougars are very difficult to find in the game. It's like, let me ask you something. How many Eskimos have you met in your life? None that I remember. Exactly. That's what cougars are in the game. Okay. You never see them. Okay. So um, so I finally, fi- it, it took me like five hours to find a cougar. So I have my bow and arrow, and I'm going back like this, and then my girlfriend goes, Bobby. And I look over like this, and I <gasps> turn back. The cougar had bit my neck, right? And then I died. I, I threw down the control. Sweetie! Like screamed, like anger. Oh, no. And she starts crying. She goes, yeah, but yeah, I don't know when to talk to you. You, you know what I mean? I go, what I'm playing never. <laughs> you know, and, the, you know, I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm 47 years old. Who acts like that? It's the fucking video game. You're passionate. You're not Joffrey because you got upset over a video game. You're a passionate person. Oh, but then here's, I do Joffrey things like this, though. Here's You're Joffrey like, and things. then I choked her. <laughs> no. Oh, I have before, but in, oh, in, but in fun, fun. I was joking. In, uh, <laughs> you know, in fun, I'm kidding. But um, I do stuff like, um, like for my openers, like sometimes I'm on the road. And my opener is about to go up on stage. I'll block him to, from going on stage. He, goes, he just said my name. I go, yeah, I know, but you're not going to go up now. How do you block? I just, there's a door usually to the stage. And you just block the and door? And I just block the door but like this. But you're just this. being funny. Yeah, but I'll block it for like two minutes. <laughs> Why? Just to see them suffer. No. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't. And then, and, yeah, and then they start sweating. And then I go, okay, now you can no. go up on stage. Yeah. Or I'll say... You'll never open for me again unless you hopscotch across the stage 20 times. 
Is this your version of hazing? Yeah, yeah. And they go, but yeah, but it has nothing to do with my act. I go, you need to hopscotch. <laughs> you're gonna, or you're, you're never gonna, gonna open for me again. So then, hopscotch. if I watch them on stage, I see them hopscotching. At the stage. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Or, or I'll, I'll, sell, I'll tell an opener if you don't say yabba dabba do five times during your act, and you can't tell the audience why you're saying it, right? You have to do that. So they'll go yabba dabba do, and then just go into their act. It's so fun for me, but that's very Joffrey-esque. <laughs> I, I was not expecting that story. I'll tell you that much. Is that mean? No, I actually Thank think you. that's playful. It's playful. It's like fun, older brother hazing. You're just, you know, like you've worked up the ranks and now they're just paying their yabba dabba dues. Yeah. It's <laughs> good. Come on, can I open I like for it. you? I like it. Do you do stand up? No. Why? Because I would shit my pants publicly. You would shit, have you ever shit your pants Publicly? Yes, and privately. Yeah, me too. me too. No, but I'm just saying, like, that's why I commend you guys for what you do, because not only are you up there and doing your thing, but you're expected to deliver something that will make everybody have an emotional reaction to you. That's that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, but you're doing exactly what I do without an audience. Yeah, but, like, in my so, head, I think they're laughing. When I said yabba dabba do, I'm like, I'm so funny in my head. Yeah. But nobody, they laugh because I pay them. Right. <laughs> right. But what I'm saying to you is this, is what what will end up happening is you do what you do on stage and you're going to be able to like, if they don't laugh, you'll be able to handle it. I actually think I'm quite funny, Bobby. You are funny. So, Can I call you Robert? Yeah, call me Robert. So you should try it. I, I should. Can yeah. I open for you? <laughs> you would never let me open for you because there'd be I, shit on your stage. No, I, can I say this? Mm-hmm. If you said to me, I want to try it, like, this is what I do. I play the Irvine Improv once a year, and I always have new comics go up. And for, like, people have never done it before. I had um, Michael Rosenbaum, you know, who played Lex Luthor on Smallville. He did it for the first time opening for me there. Will Sasso, who was a Mad TV guy, he did it there. And I always have new people do it there. It's in front of, like, six, 700 people. And uh, if you ever wanted to do it, you should try it. So, like, I think I'm funny in a, like, I can play off of you way, but... Comedians are storytellers. So you'll get up there and you'll talk about a very ordinary thing mm-hmm. and it becomes hilarious. Mm. I don't know. You're like, um. <laughs> yeah, you can do it. So like, what do you just take a regular thing that happened in your day and then you just exaggerate it? Because it's not all true. Well, There's I mean, exaggeration. There, no, but there, I mean, there is like ways to like, um, listen, you don't, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. But I'm just I saying do. I want to be, I want to be the next Bobby Lee. No, do you want to, tra- you, do you, have you ever thought about doing it though? Everyone know and i'm not trying this is not the tatiana show yeah right now it's all about you but everyone i know tells me i should do improv but i'm I'm my biggest fear i'm telling you take away the crowds i would do it improv is different though well you should try improv first because you're with other people and you can like bounce yeah you bounce people but stand-up is you're by yourself yeah and you're everyone's just looking at you like make me laugh that's why i always snort and laugh really loud in the audience because i'm like i'm you know i'm pathetic there is something about being up there. And hearing the roar. No, or even silence. Yeah. And people just staring at you. And they're listening to every word that you're saying. There's just something about that that's like um, like going to church or something. Yeah. Like very kind of spiritual. And I, 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 know, I don't want to sound narcissistic or like no, or self-centered I, or whatever. But no, there people is, are there to see you. I mean, There I'm, is a thing where you're like, and then like sometimes I have a great show and the audience they'll stand or something after and then I can go out there and you know it's just there's something about it mm-hmm. that's better than anything else that's ever existed 
Yeah. You know? No, I mean, I believe that. Yeah. And when you have a good show like that, you're reminded why you're doing what you do. Yeah. So is comedy stand-up specifically something that, because you're booking shows and you're on television and you're doing movies, is comedy something in the stand-up world that you will always do no matter what because it feeds your soul? Well, what happened was at, when I was on Matt TV for um, eight years, I really didn't do it that much because in my head I'm like, oh, I'm on TV now. Because that was like the I made it. Yeah, and I'm like, it was just like in the two. I got it in two thousand, and I was young, you know. And I was like, yeah. And then you're like, you know, we have, you know, we, I remember the first year I was there, Green Day played, and you know, you, you see like, you know, guest stars like Anna Ferris or Ryan Reynolds, people just kind of guest starring on the show, and you're like there, and you're like, I'm a part of it. And then when the show ended, I didn't do like concentrate on stand up, and so when I had to go on the road. I didn't really have the time or the material to do it, but I had to do it to pay my mortgage because I bought a house. Mm. So I was drowning. You know, on stage, I was frantically trying to figure it out every show. And it was that first year was really tough. Sometimes I would have to do 45 and I'd get off after like 25. And the club owner was like, You only did 25 minutes? I go, I don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had no more jokes, you know? Yeah. And then be like, um, yeah, but next show you have to do 45 because that's what we're paying you for, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was just really tough after that. But so I made a vow never to stop. So even now when I'm on, you know, I mean, I'm only like fifth lead on a, on a, on a sitcom, but... Um, no, but that's... A- but still, I, you know, when I'm working during the week, even though I'm tired, I'll still go up. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. 
I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh. It's not marijuana. It's That's just, fine. It's just a jewel because I quit smoking. <laughs> no, you don't have to cover no, it up. Yeah, I, I quit because of kids here. I quit smoking and um, <laughs> for two years, but I've been addicted to these jewels. Let me see. Well, what this is one, that? It's, like, it's just a... Um, it's a, it's a, is that a vape? Yeah. I, I just sounded like such a grandma. Is that a vape? <laughs> What is that? You look like somebody that you don't, do you drink? I mean, I love a good glass of vino, <laughs> but it's got to be a full body tempranillo. Yeah. Do you smoke marijuana? No. Yeah. No. You have I, children? I have a French bulldog. Does that count? I have dogs as well. Yeah. Um, but why? But why why do, you, do you do not do those things? I don't know. I'm just like a control freak and I don't like being out of control. Oh, is that what it is? I think that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, I went to college in Miami, so I, I, I was Satan for four years, basically. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, when you get that out of your system, you become like the second coming of Christ. Yeah. And that's what happened to <laughs> all, me. All good. Yeah. Like I got it out of my system and yeah. now I'm on that path. Well, I'm, you know, you know, I've been sober for 16 years, right? That's but I was dope. a full blown drug addict. Yeah. And I've, I've always struggled with um, addiction and um, alcoholism. Even as a kid, I went to my first rehab at the age of. 14. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and then I went to rehabs until I was 17. And then um, I went to this place called the McDonald Center. And that's where I first got sober the first time. And I stayed sober for 13 years. And then when I got on Mad TV, um, I relapsed. Yeah. And I started doing all the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, um, and then I got sober two years after that. But that two years was the worst two years of my life. The years that you were getting sober? No, no. The two years. So when I was 13 years sober, I got Mad TV. And then I was doing, was I was parting the first two years uh, I was it. at Mad TV. And those first two years at Mad TV was the worst two years of my life. Are we done now? No. What, what is people doing? No, he's just, he's just checking the camera. <laughs> he's like, he started talking uh, about drugs. Shut it down. Shut it down. This interview for me is a dream because yeah. you're being honest and you're not doing like the PR, everything's perfect thing. Which no one can relate to, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people out there are dealing with the same exact thing. So, and also your success story. So it's great to share this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think that um, I would have any of the things that I have. Even you know, when I did stand up when I was twenty three, when I told you mm-hmm. I was working at a coffee shop and all that, I was still I was very like active in my my recovery, and I was, and the reason why I even did stand up was because. One night I was at a, a men's meeting and I was 23 years old. It was a Friday night. I was at this men's meeting 
And, you know, I was the speaker. I was the first speaker. So I spoke, you know, at this meeting, and this old man after the meeting comes up to me, and he goes, I'd never seen him before or after that, by the way. And he goes, hey, kid, you should do stand-up. Was it Rocky Balboa? <laughs> Does that want to sound like? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and then he's like, here are some gloves <laughs> yeah, also. Yeah, yeah. And I go, really? He goes, Whoa. there's something about, I know, I've never seen you, you know, seen you before, but up there, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen in a meeting. It was supposed to be real, you know, but um, so that, that, that planted a seed. And then, you know, a month later, I did it. So without me being sober, I don't think I would ha- I wouldn't I wouldn't be here right now because everything just led up to, you know, everything. This, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think that's really inspiring for people who might be in a dark time right now or they're in a rut and they do have big dreams but they just can't get out of it. You've had, like you said, waves of things that come and go. What has been the thing? There's got to be something that has pulled you out of those moments because there are dark times. Like, what has has it just been internal? No, I mean. It- People around you? No, no. It's 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 basically you you can you can see kind of into the future to see you can see where your life is going to end up. Mm-hmm. It's that like you know, in six months I could die, kind of a thing, where you go, you know, if I keep doing this, I'm going to lose everything, you know. And a lot of people, they just go mm-hmm. to the end, right? But for me, I'm lucky I can just see, you know, imminent, you know, danger. So I just kind of go, you know, I'm going to quit right here because I don't want to die, you know. And I I have parents that are still alive. I have a brother. I have I have family and I, you know. You have a girlfriend who loves you. I have a girlfriend, you. yes. You can't, you know, you don't want to destroy yourself, you know. You have responsibilities. Why do you think drugs and partying is so relevant in the comedy world? Well, it's, it's, is it just because you're up late at night and you've got to like get yourself going? Because there's there's obviously a trend with comedians, right? Well, I mean, why do we do? What, what is the need what to, to your... go up on stage and have and make strangers laugh? There is a weird thing, but that's that's, that's you being an entertainer. No, right? there's also I think as a stand up, especially there's something else going on there of like this need for it, you know. Because you're not doing it. I don't care what anyone comic says. You're not doing it to make people happy. Is it a power thing? You're doing it to feed something that's missing in your life or something that you're, you know, lacking, right? What it's, is it for you? Well, you know, the reason why I relapsed in the first place is because I replaced stand-up comedy for spirituality, right? So, you know, in order for one to get sober, in my opinion, is is that you need some sort of divine intervention or some spiritual, you know, awakening, right? But what ended up happening is I started doing stand-up and the audience's applause and their affirmation filled whatever that thing that I was missing. Where, where I was supposed to fill it with spirituality, I filled it with something that was just kind of like fleeting, you know, mm-hmm. like, a, you know, people's, you know, applause. And I thought it was spiritual. I, it did fix me for a while, but it's like any other drug. It's not real, really, you know. So now I don't take myself that seriously. Even uh, if you know, I'll go to some markets. I'll sell out. You know, you know. I was in Bury. I sold out. Sold like fifteen hundred seat uh, tickets, and you know, it, rooms packed. Um, you know, they. I come out. They cheer. You know, I do it. But you know, afterwards, I don't 
have that thing like, oh, I'm special. You know, I just gotta go. That's my job, and um, I say hi to people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. It's just. It's a weird thing. Even um, on the street, I just when people go, can I get a photo? Yeah. Why? Well, I don't know why you would want one, but yeah. Like I don't have that. You know, you see a lot of comedians that oh, that were nice, but then they make it and they're just full of fucking douchebags and like, and they buy it and they and they they swim in their own like narcissism and their ego and they think there's something special and then they crash you know i'm not that no you're definitely not we actually we're not going to name names but there was a comedian who was supposed to be on our show and this person did not want to come to the studio because it was in the middle of hollywood and they were afraid that they were going to get mobbed and in my head i'm just like you're not going to get mobbed and it's great yeah it's like you're really funny but we've had people in the studio who have like 50 million followers and yeah, they yeah. didn't get mobbed because yeah. people have like a sense of respect right yeah but it, to me that was like the craziest thing and i was just like okay i want your your safety is more important to me so stay home yeah you know would i know who this comedian is you might okay <laughs> i so want to know so badly <laughs> yeah no, it's okay oh <laughs> it's gonna be nightmares <laughs> but also like it's fine i get that but and also it is a, it is a weird time right now where i think celebrities do have to take an extra le- a layer of security because people are crazy fans are crazy i'm sure you've had a no 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 have you ever had a crazy no 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 have you ever had a crazy fan story no because for me it's like how can you we, we especially with with the internet and social media and also youtube stars like for instance i was this is funny i was literally i went to that lobby because it's a hotel right and i ran into this kid i took a photo with him this kid casper right he's at like a huge youtube star from england okay he's got like four million five million followers on instagram he's a big star the reason why I know him is because I did his movie. I was uh, I played the bad guy. Him and this other guy, YouTube star, they did a Lionsgate movie, and I was the bad guy, the nemesis in it. And um, the thing is, is that you know, with these kids coming up in social media and and YouTube and their power with all the followers and this and that, there is no way to become a star anymore. You know, it, there's it's not like in the 80s, you know, where if you were on a sitcom, there was only four channels. Yeah. And you were an instant star. I mean, you would get like 30 million people watch your show. I'm on a TV show now. It feels like I'm on doing community theater. Yeah, things like have changed Nobody has so ever much. said to me, I love you on that show. Not one time. Right? So how do you, you know, if you were, if I was on, you know, um, the original Roseanne or, or Cosby show or Seinfeld. Like you know, a cult classic. Like a huge show. That's one thing. But if you're not on a show like that, there's no way to behave that way because there's no real reason. Mm-hmm. Because you, the people don't give a fuck. This is Hollywood. I live right down the street, you know? And I've done a million things. I walk down the street, like one out of every 100 person will say, can I get a photo? But like, you know, even when I'm on the road, you know, in Canada, I'm a bigger star just because Mad TV was bigger then. Still, it's like, what's, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's nothing. Yeah. Mobbed, what the fuck is that? I want to know who this person is. No, it's okay. It's cool. I'm Uh, complete with it. 
You are? <laughs> I'm complete okay, with it. Okay, good. I mean, like, I let things go. It's like, fine. I, yeah, but I'm not complete with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So on the topic of influencers, what do you think about, like, this new wave of celebrity coming in? You've got, like, these huge YouTube stars that are taking... I don't want to say taking television roles because they're they're getting them, right? No, like, no. But how do you feel about this new wave of celebrity, this new wave of actor who's not really necessarily an actor, but they're getting the roles? They still have to compete with us, right? Yeah. It's like when I'm in an audition and I'm testing for a network and you're performing in front of the executives and the president of a network and you have to kill it, go ahead, try yeah. Because they don't, at that point, they don't care how many followers you are. You have to get the part. Yeah, that's so true. So for me, it's like, there's more people to So they're getting with. in the door, but they're yeah, not the necessarily. Yeah, but I got in the door my own way. But the thing is, is that um, I feel st- a little bit, ah, this is going to be difficult to say. I'm going to say it in my own way. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. 
if you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When I was coming up, we had no internet. So there was only one way to do it, really. And there was actually only two ways to do it. There was, as a stand-up especially, is you get really good. 15 years later, you become a headliner. And then you come to L.A. and then see what happens. Or you come to L.A. before that, and hopefully you can act as well. You can luckily land a part and then get it that way, right? And um, so I... I did doorman, washing dishes, to come to L.A., the comedy store in Hollywood, cleaning the roof, cleaning the basement, checking IDs for years. Then you climb up to, like, um, your first TV spot, and then you climb up to, you know, getting auditions. So I did it the way it was set up, okay? And so there is something... I didn't do it in my bedroom... And all of a sudden, straight to, you know, the casting office. No, I did it. You know, I'm from a place called Poway, California. And in Poway, my parents are immigrants. They, they owned clothing stores. They don't speak English. They don't know what Hollywood is. I have no connection to Hollywood. So what I had to do was I had to do an open mic to where I'm at now. And that road is long and hard, but I did it. And there is something about me. I sometimes, I, I, you know, I, I'll close my eyes and I'll go, I can't believe that you did it. And I, I had a lot of hardships on the way, but... Nobody handed you a single thing. Yeah. And it, there is a sense of pride, I guess, when it comes to that, you know? Absolutely. That, that I did it. But you don't, in your head, you don't go, you know... I'm going to make it. You just do what's in front of you. And back then it was like, well, I got booked at this coffee shop on Friday. I'm going to go do that. Oh, um, I get to host a show where there's a headliner. I'm going to do that. Oh, um, I'm going to make 20 bucks if I do a show in Escondido. I'm going to do that. And you just do, you just live your life. How am I going to pay rent? How am I going to, you know, you're like everyone else. And then eventually you don't have a day job. And then eventually... You're fine. But now the system, so you did it that way, right? You worked your way up. Now it's like people are putting these skits on Instagram and on YouTube, and you're seeing some of them open at, like, Laugh Factory, the comedy store. What do you, I'm sure you've seen some of them bomb and you or, or do really well. Well, here's the thing, though. It's like still at the end of the day, they get to the comedy store or Laugh Factory. They still have to, you know, compete against us. And, I, you know, this show I'm doing Saturday with Burr and David Spade and all these guys, they're beasts. Yeah. I mean, they're, I know them. They're beasts. And, you know, in a packed room, they also have names. So they have fans. And also they're at the top of their game. So, yeah, you, I don't care how you got there, but can you follow that? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you this, Papa can. <laughs> you know, I, I, Papa I, I, can. If, if Rogan or whoever is on the lineup, I might not do as well, 
but I have no fear. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to walk off stage and people go, oh, you killed it, whatever, you know. But I only got there because I put in the work and the years, you know. And here's another thing. It's is that those guys, the reason why you do all the work is because you, you eventually get the respect of those guys as well. So when you're on stage, you don't feel like you're a, um, a faker. You know, you know that you belong there. Because you have your peers, you know, go, yeah. And you guys you all kind of came up together. We so all came, yeah. 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 And I'm not going to say that, like, you know, in the beginning, was Joe Rogan and I friends? No, I was this kid. And he, I pr- probably ran and got a drink for him. And I probably, you know, was too scared to talk to him at one point. But one day he says, what's up, dude? And you go, oh, oh, yeah, I've been here for a while. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And then eventually, like, um, it's so funny because I, here's, here's the great thing about working at a comedy club as a new comedian is, is that not only do you meet, because when I started, you know, it was, I saw Sebastian Maniscalco go up the first time and he bombed. He just sold out 20,000 seats in, I think, Pittsburgh or Philadelphia, right? 20, 25,000 seats, one show. Right? I was there when he bombed in front of like eight people or whatever. And he was like, I don't know if I'm going to do this. I'm not, you know what I mean? And I just saw him grow to this gigantic thing, right? But not only that is by working at a comedy club, you meet other people that might not be doing stand-up, but they're like, when I came to the comedy store, there was a kid named Matt, and he used to hang out at the comedy store, and he was a mailroom guy at Gersh. And he used to hang out at the open mics. And, I, you know, I became friends with Matt, and we became very close. And then Matt became an agent at Gersh. And then he became one of the head agents at Gersh. And then he signed me. And then I'm still with Matt. And then Matt went to CAA. He's the head of the comedy department. But I knew, I've known him for 20, you know, over that's 20 crazy. years. And he's my guy. That's, the, that's why... Coming to LA as a young person and doing these, like, you know, washing dishes and carrying shit and all these little things, and you meet other people that are struggling. There's another kid named Jordy who I used to do open mics. He was this kind of a bigger orange haired guy. He'd just wear this green tie on stage. And him and I would do all these open mics here in Hollywood in front of nobody. It was dismal back in the late 90s. And he's one of the executives at Comedy Central now, right? Mm-hmm. And he's my friend. He calls me, hey, you want to do the show? You know, so it's like, you know, that's why that's important. You know, it's not skipping those things. You can go to, you know, do a YouTube video and have, have it generate an audience, and that's great, and I'm happy for you. But in many ways, I think that this way is better for me because I need allies, well, you built a really solid foundation yeah, yeah, in your yeah. community, and I was gonna act, I was gonna ask you this question in closing. Um, what is a piece of advice you'd give somebody, the young, hopeful comedian who's doing stand up? They may be bombing, but you just—I think you just answered it. You just have to put yourself in the community and just immerse yourself in that world, from what I hear, and and don't be above taking the I'm, mopping job at, at the at the comedy store. But I also think that. Suffering is a part of it. 
It's the suffering makes you grow. The suffering also, when you start with a, like 10 guys, eventually seven of them leave. They quit because they can't handle the suffering. But the two or three of you that stick around, right, you, you, you're closer to, you know, the top. So you can't, you, you, the suffering is motivation. It keeps you strong. And That's I so think, inspiring. I, yeah. Allison's an actress, and today, today she came in. She's like, I'm just in a mood today. But, you know, she's very talented. I'm sorry I'm calling you out right now. You have these, especially when you work in the industry, I go through it myself, where I'm just like, why am I doing this? And then I'm like, no, keep on, keep on, keep on, on. Keep yeah. on. I mean, here's the thing about, like, last year, right, I, I was going to quit doing acting because I, I tested for um, this Warner Brothers show. And it just was terrible. I did it in front of the president of the network, and I, it was a horrible audition. And I wanted to jump off a building. And then this year, my agent goes, "You want to audition for Pilot? I'm not. I'm done. I can't do it anymore." But what happened was, um, there was a show that wanted me. I wouldn't audition. But then that president last year, who I tested for, he said pretty much, "Well, he tested last year, so just give it to him." So you just, you know, just by failing and showing up the year before. And then the year later, you know, I got awarded for me bombing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But my point is, is that it just, I didn't quit. I stayed in town. And then, you know, here we are, you know. Anyway. I don't even, like, you You were the perfect interview. I promised you guys an inspirational series, and you just basically killed it. I just want to cancel the rest of the series now. You did it all. Are you going to cry? No. Are you going to shit your pants? No. You don't want to? No. <laughs> You're like, no. <laughs> Bobby Lee. Thank what you. a delight. Thank you so much for stopping by. That was, you made us laugh. Of course. You got us to think a little. Nobody's quitting anything. Yeah, don't quit. Ever. Behind the Influence is a production of iHeartRadio and TDC Media. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. 
I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry. The world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.